Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas, episode 75, as I bamboozled B with my dulcet tones through the earphones. This is the podcast, B, isn't it, where we dive deep into our favourite band, Inexcess, the band that actually has put the world of great music on the map. We need to help put them on the map all the way to Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, we are very excited today. We have a little sneaky special guest coming in at the start. Ooh. But I should, first of all, say hello, B. How are you? I'm fine, Hayden. I really am fine. And yes, we're going to take in excess kicking and screaming <laughs> if they like it or not. <laughs> correct. Correct. Well, we, I guess if you think about episode 75, it's a bit of a milestone. If you count in 25s, it's uh, yeah, yeah. In, in cricket terms, it's three quarters to a ton. They said we'd never make it this far, B, but uh, we proved them wrong. Well, I thought I would never make it. I can't believe <laughs> we're at 75. That's huge number. Well, yeah. We did record episode one about five times trying to figure it all out. So maybe we're episode 80, but uh, we'll leave that to the keeper. Saying that, though, I think we had a bit of trouble with um, doing our Wednesday drop that's just happened. Oh, please tell. (laughs) (laughs) We did pleasure and pain. Oh, we did too. We did too. too. And it took us a little bit of time to um, get the intro right, didn't it? It did, yeah. We, yes. For listeners who who, who may have uh, been checking in, uh, have actually probably been told that we are putting a little secondary uh, podcast out, nothing uh, too time-consuming, but something that just shares our love of music, which we will maybe touch upon at the end of this podcast. But we have done something a little bit different today, B. We've actually got a little bit of a friend behind the scenes who helps sort of put this uh, podcast together administratively and all the clerical heavy lifting that uh, I cannot do and that you... <laughs> Uh, need help with, um, and her name is... <laughs> yeah, well, I do, no, actually. You, you, no, I do. Correct. So we've got our favourite duchy all the way from uh, Holland. We've got Kerry ann just jumping on at the start because uh, she's unearthed a couple of little gems that we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, but hello, Kerry ann How are you? Hello. <laughs> hello, Kerry ann Hi, Hayden. How are you? I feel like we had a delay there. The Pony Express took a while to make its way all the way to Holland, but uh, lovely to have you with us. Uh, you're a name behind the scenes that our podcasters and our scribers know very, very well, who uh, helps put a lot of the fan packs together and the podcast packs together and uh, clerically keeps B and myself organised. But uh, hello, uh, all the way from Australia to you in Holland. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Say hi to all your Patreon friends, Harry-Anne. <laughs> well, hello, patrons. <laughs> it's Carrie-Anne here. You can probably... <laughs> You girls have got the giggles. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try straighten things up here a little bit, okay? For those like myself, I'm just trying to remember how you two guys actually met in the first place. But can you share with the listeners how you and Carrie Ann crossed each other's paths? If it is uh, strictly uh, for mature listeners only. Yeah, we've known each other what like three or four years now. We met on the Paula Yates page of all places. Yeah. Um, both huge Paula Yates fans, and then I was having trouble with my uh, keeping up with um, everybody on the Hutch Nation, and her and Joe came in at the same time and helped me. Joe Robbins, that is, and we've been firm friends ever since, haven't we? 
very much so yeah i mean yeah. she she was there saying yeah go do the podcast do the podcast I'm like, i don't know shy. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to help yeah. me woman <laughs> yeah now, being, being from True. holland that you a very rich reign of uh, musical history when i was uh, a young little buck going through the uni days there was a famous dutch duo act called two unlimited uh, all the way from yeah. holland it was go go Go, 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 go. There's no limit. No, 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 no. Is that no, right? No, 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 no. No, she likes it. No, no, there's no stop, limit. Stop. Okay, oh, enough. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that was my, I mean, there were these little dance sort of, you know, uh, music acts from Holland and things like that, but uh, are there any sort mm-hmm. of rock bands kicking butt in Holland at the moment or not really? Not at the moment. I think uh, the biggest one for me is Golden Earring, but uh, yep. they're not really active at the moment. So, okay. But they're really good. They're really yeah. good. Actually, Hayden Carrion's been doing the, the tour of um, Europe. Do you remember a couple of weeks well, ago? Well, I did. I saw, I saw yeah. some action yeah. in Barcelona there, uh, Carrion, there with your daughter is that right yeah yep Yep. i went to barcelona with my daughter and we couldn't decide whether to go to paris or barcelona and then my daughter said why don't we do both so we went (laughs) to barcelona first and then we went to paris and then we came back to holland that was awesome that was really awesome to travel with your girl your 19 year old we in Australia have been very much deprived of travelling sort of uh, more than five kilometres up the road. So yeah, the know. notion of going from Barcelona to Paris, we are very, very jealous. I know, but we haven't been able, able to travel for two years either. So yeah. it did us a lot of good. Mm. It did. Excellent. Yeah. You went to Jim Morrison's graveside, eh? <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. My teenager did not like that. But, oh, that was the highlight of my journey. Mm. It really was. Yeah, it was so special. Was it easy to get access to it? Yes, it's open every single day. And uh, the grave is very hard to find. But if you follow the people that Mm -hmm. are uh, visiting, then uh, you'll Mm. find it. So, yeah, there's always people uh, at the grave, always. Does this mean you'll probably go to Prague next time? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I think yes. (laughs) Uh, But my bucket list is very long. Very long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, Kiri I believe chatting to B, you've unearthed a uh, something that's uh, over, uh, roughly forty years old. It's something musical to do with in excess. So, rather than us try mm-hmm. preempt or predict, tell maybe the uh, the greater listeners what you've unearthed because we have a bit of a patron early Christmas gift to give away, don't we, B? And I think it has something to do with what Carrie-Anne has unearthed. Yes, we do. Yes, I have uh, managed to uh, download and. Uh, Make it into a digital. Right. A concert (laughs) that Inexcess played in uh, 1986 at uh, a Park Pop Festival here in Holland. And, uh, well, the the sound of it is really, really perfect. Yeah. Yeah, crystal clear. And they played uh, nine songs. And you can actually hear Michael talking. And that's, well, it's absolutely gorgeous. So this is uh, where we want to give it as an early Christmas present to the to the patrons. So Park Pop was a festival. Was How long did the festival yes. go on for? Was it a whole day Ooh. or a couple of days? I think it must have been a one day, yeah. Mm. And where's they headlining it? 
no, there were uh, many uh, groups that many were playing groups. that day. But we've got yeah. nine songs, and he, like you said, yes. absolutely crystal. And he was on form. It's absolutely fantastic. Hot, hot yes. day, yeah. I hear. Very, what, very, what city very. Holland was that, uh, Carrie Ann? The Hague. The Hague. As you say it. Yeah. Right. We say Den Haag, but you say The Hague. Yeah, the hard day. Yeah. yeah, so that's probably the, the same sort of uh, year that you first saw in excess beast. I was probably around that Listen Like Thieves tour era. Yeah, I saw them in 86, just the year before, I think. You'd seen our drive, Hayden, so you'd be able to listen to it anyway. But um, for the patrons okay. and any future patrons between now and November, would you say, carry on, we're going to do an early drop for them? Early Christmas yes, present. Yes, it's it's uh, ready to go. So cool, yeah. cool. And then yep. on top of that, Carrion's just sent an email out to everybody, and it's just gone berserk, hasn't it? For the patron, for yes. the sorry, for yes. the fan kits fan are kit. out there. Mm-hmm. So if yep. you're a patron, you'll be getting an email because you're getting a special offer to get those fan kits first. Yes, Fantastic. you can. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I saw that. I mean, there's obviously a limited amount of these sort of fan kits that have been unearthed from the vault. Mm. So I, we already know we've had some people actually email us and say, how many do you have? <laughs> yeah. brackets, I want them all. Yeah. Uh, so they may need to be rationed out. But uh, look, I think they're, they're $100 for any of the existing patrons. And if you're not a patron, they're 150 uh, is my understanding, B? Does that sound That's right to you? correct, Hayden. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing my research. You, you okay. have. You've been reading the minutes. Reading the minutes, <laughs> interpreting the minutes. Or should I say interpreting mm-hmm. the minutes? And look, I guess, you know, part of the patron service, you know, Carrie Ann's very actively involved behind the scenes. And, you know, we, we strive, you know, I guess, across the board to give value for your money every month. And, uh, you know, if you want to be part of the journey of helping the band get to the Rock Hall of Fame and getting access to this, I mean, the key thing I take away from what Carrie Ann said there is, Great sound, crystal clear, can hear Michael talking. I mean, some of this stuff, you know, you might find it if you're good enough to download stuff, but there's so many things that are particular to each country that local people like Carrie in Holland, for example, has found. So for those out there who would love access to this, you know, become a patron. We will feed as much as this, this sort of special content to you. Very special. Thank you, Carrie. And mm-hmm. Carrie, before you go, is there anything that you want to say to the patrons? Is there anything that you need from them? Or Well, I'm Carrie uh, and you uh, all know my name because uh, once you become a patron, um, I will email you and ask for your details, your address details, so we can send you a uh, patron package. And uh, I'm also uh, sending you the, your digital goodies. Uh, by email, the MP3 uh, goodies like uh, Michael's solo album, Max Q, and uh, two performances of In Excess from the 80s. Well, we just talked about the uh, concert that I downloaded uh, from Park Pop. That will be our early Christmas gift. Well, I hope you, you'll enjoy it as much as uh, we did uh, in creating this for you. And reach out to me anytime if you have any questions and uh, keep uh, enjoying the uh, the podcast that's okay and thank you for everything thank you for everything you do and as i said um there's a lot of value in the in the, in the patron program so you know if you're not one and you're yeah. into what we do and into where the band's mm-hmm. going jump on board yeah thank you yeah. for remembering okay. everybody's birthdays carry on oh i love doing that that's my <laughs> no, thing that's your thing <laughs> that's my thing <laughs> they're great edits thing. that you do they're really good good Good. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, thank you. I, I, well, yeah. you can actually introduce the patrons if you want to. That's the next bit. 
We'll do that later then or now? No, I just go, this, is, this, this is Kerry Ann, the Senior Vice yeah. President Administrator <laughs> of Access <laughs> Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. This is Karian, and these are our patrons. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello to our honorary members, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams, and Mary Woods. Also, I'd like to say hello to our patrons, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camier, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, Anne Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Vern, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Warren, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Ace, Bard, Genevieve, Ali, Shelby, and Joseph. Welcome to the party, everybody. Welcome. having Carrie Ann on there and uh, again just those who don't know you can be a patron for as little as five dollars a month you know ten dollars a month thirty dollars a month and even a sort of a one-off donation so there's various packages there to sort of join with and Carrie Ann will hook you up now B we rushed into Carrie Ann today because she was all the way from uh, Holland but I've got to ask you how has your excess week been we've just come off the fan campaign episode and uh Boy, we've had a few fans interact with that one. Manny in the UK and a whole lot of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. Now, everybody wants to have a little go. Everyone wants to have a little word on this, which is brilliant. We've had to go, wait, let's just get it done. Because everyone's like, let's get the welcome to everywhere else. Oh, I know. No. A lot I'm of people like, are like, no, oh, no, I'll no, download no, no. it now. I'm like, yeah, I'm telling everybody. No, 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 no. Like, it's yeah. just the fans. We're just going to get the feels and we're going to get it right. But, yeah, it's very exciting that everyone's excited about it, though, isn't it? Now, mm. I, I'm sure you, this is your your wheelhouse more than mine, but I guess for all the keen interests, et cetera, there, whether you're a patron or not, or just want to help with this particular song, Rechart, and help, uh, you know, the momentum chain that we talked about last week, we probably just would like to have a form of capturing uh, data and names and email addresses and, you know, maybe Facebook details, uh, just so that we can, you know, press the uh, little red button in August next year or September, October, yeah. uh, and sort of get everybody on board. So we have some sort of communication. So I guess throughout the next, you know, few months, we'll talk about, you know, the best way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've probably seven, seven, seven uh, moves ahead of me on it anyway. Always. I guess like anything, uh, anything come across your desk in the last week, B, that you want to share with the listeners? I had a brilliant day yesterday, Hayden. Yep. I went on to Facebook Market. Is it the Facebook Market page on your mm-hmm. Facebook? And I thought I'll just stick in, in excess in and see what comes up. I grabbed a, a poster of a tour poster of in excess on their Switch tour, um, and it's already in a frame. It's this big and... I got it for a fiver. 
<laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but he wouldn't post it, obviously. Okay. Um, his name's Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Gorgeous man. And then so I got in touch with Glenn Davis and Glenn Davis went round this morning and picked it up. <laughs> so thank you boys for getting that for me so glenn's gonna look after it and i got him a, i found a copy of um chris murphy's book for glenn yeah. so we're gonna do swapsies when we see each other in december okay. mm, so that's our that's my week so far <laughs> all right well we're gonna we're gonna a fair bit to go through i did want to give one little shout out i'm probably in the intro liking to sort of shout out a various patron whatever there but I thought we couldn't go uh, without mentioning sort of Lockdown LA, and that is uh, our friend Suzanne oh. in LA. Now, I want to put uh, some people into the jealousy box here because in the last seven to ten days, this is what Suzanne has been up to in LA. Yeah. Okay? Suzanne has been to the Rolling Stones concert. She has. Suzanne has been to a Chris Isaac concert. And for where the photos came from, she was very close to front row, I think. Very close. She went to a merchant video film clip getting made. She did. She was on a Duran Duran live stream. She was. She was at a vegan festival and was able to superimpose and get photos of her to put on a cover of a vegan festival there. <laughs> and um, she looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, she's hot, you know. And sorry, Suzanne, you are hot, so uh, we have to mention that. So very photogenic. She's probably the busiest lady in LA and our busiest patron, and we're all and jealous because we uh, can't go more than five kilometres here. And she met Mr Nick Egan twice. Well, there you go. There you I go. mean, that's the cherry, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, lockdown LA not. Um, so uh, <laughs> I thought that was just uh, one of our patrons uh, absolutely sharing uh, a lifestyle that we're all jealous of uh, not being a part of, B. Oh, yeah, but uh, isn't our lifestyle going to get better? Well, it's going to get Wasn't better we enough. talking about the bar that you've just found in Melbourne? I will. I mean, there's a few things in the news will announce. But oh, okay. um, <laughs> like we do, uh, today is a very special episode. We're going to get dive, uh, well, we're going to dive deep into Welcome to Wherever You Are. Pretty iconic in NXS canon and various reasons. It was a tipping point both commercially and critically. Uh, of which I'll elaborate on a little bit later, but um, it really is an album that we, we've been looking forward to discussing for a while. And uh, with uh, Mark Opitz uh, coming up on future episodes, the producer, uh, we are very excited to finally get this airing of this album out to the community. All right, what's the time for? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. and now it's time for the news. All right, B. well, we've got tons of news to get through, and I'm going to sort of really just ramp through rather quick, because I'd love today's episode to be more about the album than about the news. Well, in chart news, B, uh, the very best of has uh, had a little bit of a dip again. It's gone from 39 to 44, so another sort of five-slot uh, deduction. Mm. Uh, so we are sort of wanting to see that correct itself, but yes. uh, it is what it is, and that's what it was last week. Moving forward to gig news, I'm going to read these out rather quick, but uh, Australian May, that was a sort of a famous 986 festival. There's a pseudo cover band revisiting of Australian Made here in Melbourne, particularly, where both Inexcessive, Cold Chisel and uh, Australian Crawl are going to be playing various hotels in Melbourne. Uh, one of them particularly is on January 25th, the day before Australia Day at the Chelsea Heights Hotel, which is about 10 minutes from my place. So I may be heading down that particular way. No excuse. I'll have to pack on my flanny to uh, enjoy that. Also, too, coming up on December 29, uh, Live Baby Live, the uh, tribute show at the Tea Gardens uh, Hotel in New South Wales, Albion Park. 
And also on December 11th uh, at the Oaks Hotel uh, is going to be a place where they're going to be uh, frequenting along. B, just before this podcast tonight, I, I saw a shout out from someone saying, Coffs Harbour, we need in excess. And I'm thinking, this must be you, B. But it wasn't, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, and when you sent it, me, I was like, who's done that? So is that is that from Live Baby Live? Yeah, um, so I think they're yeah. also, yeah, so I think also from uh, the point of view of just sort of mentioning some of those other gigs and things, they're also going to be going up the coast to, to Coffs Harbour uh, a little bit later in the year. Now, I'm just trying to look at the January, dates. January, I heard. Yeah, January 14th. Now, is it mm. uh, Hoey Moey? Do you know what that is? Yeah, I do. It sounds weird. Is it a hotel or a pub? Right on the beach. It's really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a really good venue. So, um, yeah, girls, I'll meet you there. All right, I think Karen Peters could be making a little trip up the coast there, B, to join you at that one. That would be nice, and she could bring Sarah Cameo with her as well. <laughs> that would be lovely. Fair enough. Now, we know it's been uh, the sort of uh, anniversary week in the last sort of couple of weeks for a lot of the albums and things, so... There was a great article in the Ultimate Classic Rock uh, publication in the New Wave albums of the 80s, uh, the top 40 New Wave albums period. Uh, Listen Like Thieves came in at 37. Uh, so there was a good deep read on some of those bands. I think 37 was not very kind, but at least mm-hmm. they were in it. Driving down and doing my washing the other day, B, I happened to hear In Excess uh, being covered on the radio by Bruce Springsteen. Oh. So I think it was our first ever cover going out. It was, out. yeah. And I thought, I've never heard it on the radio really before. No. So uh I thought I would say shout out to Triple M for playing that the other day. It is Oztober or Rocktober here in, in, yeah, Rocktober. in Australia. So mm-hmm. uh, in excess of getting a big workout. Uh, in further news, there have been so many tribute type of articles to the Underneath the Colours album. It seems like that compared to Kick and, and uh, Listen Like Thieves and all these albums that sort of were released in October many years ago have been dwarfed by the amount of articles out there about Underneath the Colours. So if you are a bit of a passion searcher, um, put underneath the colours articles in your in your browser, and I think you will see plenty of tribute albums recognised, or sorry, tribute um, articles about that album. Also, B, I did tell you before the podcast, there is a new bar opened up in Melbourne. So when uh, lockdown completely uh, absolves itself, there's a new bar in Brunswick called Shabu Shabar. Love it. So I hear Paul Jolly has already uh, revved up the engines and he's heading down to Melbourne to check out the Shabu Shabar. Yeah, I'll uh, pick you up. I'll pick you up. (laughs) Absolutely. And I reckon Dr. Jim and myself will probably be there. We might have to record an episode episode from there, B. What do you think? I think that's a great idea, Hayden. Yeah. Do it. So, so it's opening, and uh, this has just been announced today, so mm-hmm. uh, I will give further knowledge on that. Also, too, we've already had a bit of traction, haven't we, from our November 22 Michael Memorial, which we're going to be putting a collage uh, together of sort of little 60-second uh, snippets from Voice all of you out there. Yeah, that'd be yeah. nice. Anything from your end there, B, you wanted to share on that? or On that? Um, yeah. Not nothing from last week when we mentioned we just like everybody just to send them to the um, email address, which is inaccessaaa at gmail.com and just keep it short for me, not too long. <laughs> yeah. Look, that's something we'll be putting together and we would love to get a sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half of uh, lovely tributes from everyone around the, uh, the globe to piece that together and send that off to those who can. Stay with me. Have 
have you finished um, the news or have you got more? I got one more thing, and this is completely un inaccess related, okay? All right. Um, it's very rare that a band in their 25th year probably records the song of their career. But mm. there's a New Zealand band that had been based in Melbourne for a long time. Uh, they were called, well, they actually are called She Had. Uh, they changed their name for a while to Pacifier after their other great song. Uh, because they were touring America and they wanted to have a uh, uh, a different name yeah. than she had that sounded like jihad. Um, yeah, but then the word pacifier in America is like a dummy. So they yeah. then sort of got that around the wrong way. But uh, <laughs> cut a long story short, they've got a new single out that's been played on Australian radio at the moment called Feel the Fire. If you can download that or you can check it out, it is an absolute cracker of a song and I want to give a shout out to those guys. They used to rehearse next to where my office was uh, in oh. Richmond many years ago. So we used to hear them practicing and I saw them live a few times but I just wanted to do a shout out for rock music uh, which what In Excess was a part of the She Had Boys have got a fantastic song as soon as I thought the guitar was dead B and no one was releasing good music these guys have gone and done it so your next door neighbours pop in um, let's play a little bit hey? It's really good. Um, I've got a little bit of um, bit of B news. A little bit of B news. It's okay, very excited. Away. Okay, so um, Laurie already fainted when I told her this, so because she's a massive fan. But we have had contact with a gorgeous lady called Nicole, who is the manager of Kieran and John Farris. So she's said that we're going to have John and Kieran coming on in, in the early next year, which is fantastic. We can't wait. That's something to look forward to for after Christmas, isn't it? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think um, uh, it was great to sort of be able to make contact from there. And sometimes people are keen to come on things. We've got something to promote, B. So maybe we, yeah. can, do a, we can do a, what they call it, a quid pro quo. So uh, mm -hmm. they help us out, we help them out. But uh, it would be great to have John on. I think there'd be a lot of listeners keen. And even Kieran, I know Pedro's a big Kieran fan. So it'd be good to have him on and just share some experiences as well too. Yeah, really enjoying that uh, Lady Karma though. It's been really good. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the news, B. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also, want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week. Uh, yeah, I had a great time, far less time than we sort of spent on an album. It, it even I think we made it faster than we even made our first album. Yeah, it was it was great. We didn't sort of we didn't sit down and say Look, let's make this kind of an album. You know, um, although we we, we, we wanted we to find of, out. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. wanted to throw the spaghetti against the fridge and see if it stuck. 
you know, famous guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hiya, this is Mike Legend. And I'm Tim Ferriss. We're from Inixis. Stay tuned for more. All right, B. Well, let's welcome to welcome, huh? Welcome to welcome. Very good. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Well, look, this is going to be a, a, quite a deep dive because I think the album deserves it and I guess where it sits in the canon of all In Excess albums, uh, it definitely requires a discussion and mm-hmm. uh, a deep dive into the tracks and uh, we'll talk a little about the chart performances, commerciality of the album, artistic merit. We'll talk about the covers and the various sort of uh, liner notes and production and, you know, there's a lot to sort of go probably And the nerdy this- bits. And the nerdy bits, yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the band out in the desert in their nice suits, B, which you can probably <laughs> articulate. But um, I think when we come to do sort of a review of an album, it's always good to sort of take stock and say, okay, where was the band at that time when they went to record? Because uh, perspective on that sort of front is, is pretty important to then sort of then talk about the album. So at the time sort of recording sort of this album was probably in the early sort of months of uh, 92. We talked about on the Concert for Life a couple of weeks ago that the band were in Sydney and uh, were literally in sort of recording and, you know, the, I think the uh, the tracks were about to go back to America for mixing and things. But um, that sort of first half of 92, they'd had the Concert for Life, they'd sort of won Best Band at the Arias, uh, they'd come off uh, a massive tour with the X Factor stuff in 91, uh, they'd had Wembley, they probably had a little bit of time off. Uh, I think in November uh, or December the of 91, they won Best International Act at the British Music Awards. And, you know, X itself was an album that I think, you know, in hindsight, you know, 30 years later, was an album that probably consolidated In Excess's commercial standing and it was very successful and things like that. But maybe artistically, I think Michael at the time felt maybe after some distance of recording it, he looked back and thought, well, you know, some great songs on it, you know, was proud of the release, but... I do remember him using sort of the adjective saying maybe it was a bit polite. And I think going into, you know, the uh, Welcome album, uh, the band had sort of had sort of re-hooked up with Mark Opitz at Wembley and maybe it was an organic thing and we'll hear more from Mark anyway, but uh, maybe it was an organic thing to suddenly go into, you know, re-recording with Mark and from a studio release at least, it, uh, it had been nine years or 10 years virtually since, well, yeah, 10 years since 82 and Shabu Shabar. You know, Mark had been a great mentor to the band, I think, even though they went off after Shabu Shabar and did The Swing and, and the Chris Thomas sort of albums and things. Mark, through his work with Good Times, and, and I think given that the band or the majority of the band and Mark all lived in Sydney, it meant probably over, you know, the ensuing period that Mark had kept in contact with the band. Um, often the band sought Mark's advice about recordings, you know, that maybe other producers had done and, and you know, sought his uh, approval or uh, opinions on things. But uh I think it was exciting getting, uh, well, getting a chance to see Mark come back and record uh, this album because I think, as we've discussed before, it had been 10 years since Shabu and their development as artists, uh, their development as musicians, uh, knowledge in recording, uh, touring the world, uh, practicing. They were really honed in a, in a well oiled machine at that particular point, B, having literally just come off, as I said, Wembley and come off the concert for life and, you know, the kick and the X tours. They were probably at the the, the peak of their international sort of uh, appeal and, and commerciality, you know, with, uh, I guess, the, the, the Thieves, Kick and, and X mm-hmm. all sort of being sort of uh, strong sellers for the band. So, yeah, it's 1992 and I, and I guess, you know, the band are probably sitting there going, okay, well, what do we do next? Uh, where next? are we at? Yeah. yeah. And I think Mark challenged the band. I think his sort of advice was, you know, I love Suicide Blonde, but 
Maybe a lot of the other stuff off X was a little bit like Kick Part Two. Uh, maybe it lacks a musicality or a, or a palette of, uh, of 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 tones and lights and shades and and different types of uh, sonics that you know he thought the band were capable of doing. So yeah. mm-hmm. I think you know, and I think also with Andrew and 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 Michael and and Mark predominantly working on the album and the production. I know the other band members at that particular time, I won't say were distracted, but had other things going on in their lives. It sort of uh, uh, meant that they weren't as hands-on in the recording of this in the initial sort of time. Uh, I think uh, Gary's uh, wife was sort of giving birth to to their second child. Uh, I think John was preparing sort of to marry uh, Leslie at the time. I think Kirk had just sort of, you know, himself come out of a quite a long-term sort of uh, marriage there. And, and you know, I think even Tim himself, you know, was suffering, uh, I think, a, a little bit of an ailment there with his uh, uh, with his knee or his hands yeah. or something like that. It's, I think it was called exo- exostosis. I don't quite know what that is. Yeah. But he had an ailment that sort of got in the way a little bit of him being able to sort of perform. But uh, like always be, Dr. Google, we can just Google what that actually means. <laughs> I uh, thought you were doing um, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Bone spurs. Here we go. Sorry, guys. I've just Googled the word. So, yeah, bone spurs are probably, you know, sort of uh, plagued him for a little bit. And uh, they're quite debilitating, actually. Yeah. Um, but what it meant was that Andrew and Michael and both Mark were, were very ho- uh, well, very focused on, I think, the direction of this particular sort of album. And I think there was sort of an open sort of door policy, like, you know, try some new stuff, try some new ideas. You know, let's... Let's look at recording something that's not limited by formulae or let's take each song to a sort of a complete sort of uh, nth degree. And, and I remember at the time they, when they were doing a lot of press, they were saying, look, we, we had an idea for a song and we really went with it for each song on its own and gave it the, the best that each song could be. And, and even though they may not always be similar to the next song, they were, you know, like, for example, Baby Don't Cry, you know, with the orchestra there, they really went for it on that particular yeah. track. And, mm. um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll dive deep on that later. But I think it was a very creative period. And I guess where the music was at at that particular time, you know, it was nine months earlier that you 2 had released Acton Baby. Uh, REM had just, uh, I think, uh, literally the same month, I believe, released Automatic, of the Pe- Automatic for the People. Uh, we had the grunge explosion, effectively in a 91, early 92. And... With those new, you know, new uh, years to a decade, often music does have a way of sort of changing. And um, I think it was exciting that the band and, you know, Michael and Andrew himself, particularly with, with Mark, uh, just decided to say, hey, listen, you know, what is this thing in excess? What are we going to be? Are we going to be imitations of ourselves and just keep trotting up the same things? Yeah. Or are we going to really take the challenge? And I think mm-hmm. uh, what is evidenced by what they recorded was, well, you know, they took the, you know, the latter option and, and got really experimental and really creative without giving away some of their true sort of, you know, DNA, which was melody and and uh, tune, tunefulness and, and soulfulness and things like that. They were able to still keep certain elements of the band intact, but uh, from a musical palette point of view, they were able to really, you know, really go to some interesting sort of, uh, you know, desti- destinations on the compass. I mean, you know, we'll go into the tracks, but there's mm-hmm. some really very, very uh, different sounds on this and some different song structures and stuff like that, which does challenge listeners occasionally, Be Like, yeah. you know, when you roll out a three-and-a-half-minute pop song, you know, um, bubblegum pop, it's like McDonald's. You eat it, you like it, but half an hour later you're hungry. I mean, some of these tracks off this album took a while for some fans to really sort of understand and get into. And I, I think the same should be elegantly wasted. I think Pedro was one who didn't quite like that to start with but really loved it. I think some of the better albums over time challenge the listener to – investigate them and 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 really work as a listener mm-hmm. and that's not normal or nor that's not really pop music you know i mean these days 
you know, young fans don't even want to listen to whole albums now. They'll download tracks and single songs. But I'm saying that you asked me to listen to this album in full today, which I did while perming my daughter's eyelashes. (laughs) (laughs) And she was singing along and she says, Mommy, this album is really good. She's 14. She loves this album. Well, yeah, well, that's great. But, you know, a lot of young people don't listen to albums now. They, you know, everything's sort of, you know, selectable and, you know, Spotify playlists and things. So uh, the whole album experience, I guess, was something that 30 years ago when this album was out, uh, was part of, you know, listeners' DNA. So, you know, I just sort of thought, you know, having some perspective of where the band was at at the time was sort of quite important. And, you know, going to Rhino Studios again, being back in Sydney, being with Mark, uh, really represented, I guess, uh, a new challenge in terms of, you know, as I said, coming up with something uh, very, very different. Something, you know, interesting to keep them focused because if you are an artist, uh, well, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, Stuart Copeland uh, from the from the police. Uh, was on with the Rock On Tours, uh, who you the put drummer, me on to, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, they broke up on at the end of their biggest album, which was Synchronicity, yeah. uh, and they were sort of saying it's quite rare because normally bands, you know, <laughs> you know, fail and then they have their wilderness years and come back. But they had five albums, I think, and uh, they broke up after their biggest album, which is sort of quite rare. But if you are going to enter into your tenth, eleventh, twelfth year as a band, you know, it's it's probably important to come up with new things to keep it interesting. And I think for that level of artistic focus and goal, uh, they, they definitely come up with this in spades. Uh, so um, I guess that's just sort of a bit of a, a sort of a backdrop there, B. Um, the album was released on uh, August 3rd, 1992. Uh, I guess in terms of where it did get released, obviously globally, uh, Enix has had that knack, as we've said previously, of having different record companies. Like in the US, they had Atlantic. In Europe, they had Mercury. And then they had East West Records, I think, which might have covered the rest of uh, all the, the continents and areas. Interestingly, when they did sort of release this album, B, and you may sort of go back and look on it in hindsight, uh, didn't put themselves on the cover, no. uh, which when you go back to, uh, <laughs> sorry, ladies, <laughs> uh, when you go back to uh, 1990, sort of uh, one with uh, Low Baby Live with Michael and the, uh, the, the X Factor with Nick and, uh, and and then obviously you got the Kick album there and, you know, Back to the Swing and Listen Like These, it's probably the first album since yeah. you could probably say underneath the colours that they weren't on the cover. Mm. And probably commercially it affected, you know, the sale because you had this sort of album cover there with sort of three sort of Boy Scout S from a sort of a singing group type Irish singing, uh, you know, adolescent group, you know, on the cover. So it was very obscure in terms of the artwork there. Even with the singles we spoke about the other week with Not Enough Time and all the other singles off the album, there was nothing of the band on there. Mm. Again, this was a time where less was more. Uh, yeah. We'd come off the 80s where, you know, bigger was better. Uh, the 90s was uh, the first three, four years of the 90s was all about, you know, less superstardom, you know, less hubris, uh, less is more, uh, more subtlety, etc. there. No big sort of shtick, sort of cheesy type sort of things going on. So, you know, but, you know, in hindsight. Still you know, a very probably... weird album cover. <laughs> it was, no, It doesn't yeah. matter what you say. It was yeah. like, it's just... Mm, yeah, um, with our Mark, Deb, Dublin. <laughs> yeah, ch- I mean, Mark, Mark himself, you know, said to us, you know, they didn't have a, a lot of material to work with, you know, for the actual recording. It might have been 16, 17 songs. So mm-hmm. to get the 12 they did, I mean, the conversion for, for great songs based upon sort of, you know, compared to the ratio of recordings they had uh, was pretty strong. I know they used to love rehearsing at the uh, Sydney Opera House, B, and I think they did a lot of that for this album and things. And 
putting the material together. And I'm sure our friend Richard Simsk- Simpkins was down there mm-hmm. uh, hanging out, uh, et cetera, there uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was interesting to, as I said, you know, leave the success of Chris Thomas behind. But uh, it's not uncommon for bands when they are seeking an artistic shift to change producers and yeah. not get in a sort of a rut and things like that. So um, I guess from that sort of point of view, uh, it was, you know, particularly sort of uh, pleasing. Um, uh, in terms of uh, the albums of B, I thought what we will do now is we'll go into the tracks. And, you know, I guess, you know, for the listeners who haven't heard these songs for a while, let's put them on and let's come back and we'll just do sort of our, you know, one to you, one to me, and we'll just give our, our feelings on these songs. But what I'd like to encourage you to do is think back to when you first heard them and think back to them now because I wonder if today, and don't have to answer this just yet, but... You might have heard a, you might have heard a song today you haven't played for five years and gone, oh well, that's actually better than I thought. Or equally you might, you know, I liked that one before, but gee, I don't know why I liked it back then. I don't like it as much now. So music is all about being judged on its merits at the time of recording, but does it still stack up now? And that's where we do rec- you know, review our albums and go, does the music stand up now? Does it mm-hmm. still resonate now? So uh, I am really looking forward to getting your uh, feelings on the album um, and also sharing some of mine with you. So uh We'll get into the tracks. Well, let's start with number one of the album, and that is Questions. Well, uh, the first track off the album uh, is Questions. Uh, Take it away. Well, what did I think about this when I first heard it? I thought it was very different. I thought it got a little bit of um, Beatles-esque to it to begin with when I Mm. I first heard it. And then I remember going clubbing a fair bit back in 92 and coming home and listening to chill-out music. And this sort of reminded me of all of that and I started mm. to get really into it and now I feel that it is a, like a chill out song it's a really good intro I think it's too short <laughs> it's a tease um, but I mm-hmm. really like it it's grown on me a lot as I've got older as I've slowed down in life maybe um, a little yep and um, so for me I love it I do right yeah, well, I think this is an interesting sort of start off an album. Like, you know, first song says so much about an album, if you think, you know, mm. of all your favourite sort of bands and things. But if we look at In Excess, say, coming off uh, the last album, you know, studio release, they had Suicide Blonde as the as the starting song. I think the album before they had Guns in the Sky, uh, the album before that they had What You Need, yeah. the album before that Original Sin. So they had some real thumpers there and, these, and often the lead single. So... In this case here, you've got this Indian sort of uh, sitar, tabla type sort of instrumentation, mm-hmm. and it is quite Beatlesque around the Revolver era. You know, the, the John and you know Paul and the band going over to India to meet the Maharashi, and yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very mystical, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, it um, takes you to a different place, doesn't it? It takes you away from where you are, so it's like a little 
Well, the other staggering thing about Journey. it to open up an album, <laughs> Andrew sings it. It's, it's Andrew's vocal. Oh, it's Andrew. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. a lot of people didn't know that because it is heavily, I won't say the word synthesised, the vocal, but His it is maybe. His voice is put through It is digitalised mm. and things mm. like that. And, look, I'm sure Mark will share with us how the technique they did that with. But, uh, but it's quite yeah, refreshing, I mean, it's, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah. I like it. It's a, it's a little well, sprinkle before you get into it's it. A palette, before it's you a, get into the next one. It's a little palate cleanser before yes. we get into the teeth of the, the album. And I think uh, it's an interesting time. Like It only goes for two minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, and it's got some, you know, some really uh, unique horn sections and instrumentation. But I think Mark did on Shabu Shabar. It segues almost straight away into heaven sense. So there's none of this little sort of uh, pause gap between the songs. And it's something that uh, it almost feels like it's joining into uh, a heaven scent, which starts mm-hmm. off with that sort of iconic riff. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, a you know, a track that, well, the first two tracks are written by Andrew, but uh, it then veers into sort of heaven scent, which we should put on now, B. <laughs> anywhere but start at the very beginning with this song to pop it straight in that the guitars at the beginning fantastic or the guitar yeah well the first time when i heard the guitar riff um mm. ironically what sort of you know connected with me was i thought they've ripped off noiseworks here they're, they're, there's a noiseworks song called voice of reason and we'll post it on our sort of site and things like that and i thought oh, the riff's the same and then a few years later, I remember reading up about Heaven Sent and I was like, oh, it's the same riff as I Will Follow from you too. And there is a similar soundingness to it. Um, I don't think it was a lift uh, or, a, or a deliberate lift, but uh, it does have sort of resonance of those other songs. Okay. I think the strength of this particular song in many ways is the core, uh, not the chorus, the, you know, the lyrics there. Um, and the verses are particularly strong. Um, mm. uh, Tuesday, she works in the library uptown. You know, some useful knowledge can always be found. Mm. don't burn the library till you read all the books mm. you know i mean it's just an interesting sort of metaphor you know the way lyrically it, it grows but definitely a more traditional sort of in excess three minutes stomper although sonically you know michael's vocal and it, it is dirtied up a little bit the production you know probably is a bit grunged up if i could use that word oh, yeah. to reflect probably that particular time there so yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that song was the lead track that was released in the UK and Australia. We will go through chart positions and everything a little bit later, but it was a pretty strong release initially. Probably got sort of the the initial sort of fans in Australia and the UK uh, into the album based on that release as the first single. All right, B, what's the next one? Oh, the next one is. Oh, 
one of my favorites off the album actually i like this what, I like it what connects with you i like the uh the melody to it and i like the uh the chorus can live throughout the jibber jabber of the voices at the very beginning. Also, it's that that lyric of entering communication, but it's the wrong information. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, look, you know, or just the word disinformation. I mean, it was an interesting thing. You could probably say a year or two later, you two with their Zoo, Zoo TV or uh, Zoo Tour, there was a lot about the media and disinformation and things. So yeah. this was sort of a similar narrative to that. But um, I think this song was born out of the war on. Kuwait and Iraq and all the particular things in 91 yeah. where you could literally turn on CNN and watch the war and yeah. there was a lot of disinformation, a lot of rhetoric and things and there is some, there is quite a lot of overdub with sort of, you know, here comes the bourgeoisie and, and mm-hmm. it's an interesting uh, recording and production and I know that when uh, I saw them live in Melbourne, B, uh, for the, I'm trying to think one of the times, but I think they opened up this at the, at the pal- Palace actually mm-hmm. as the first song. So, um, okay. I know it was a bit of a favourite for Michael to play live too. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're on the same page, but we've been quite agreeable today. Yeah. And is it Kirk on a, an acoustic guitar all the it way could through? Be. I, yeah, I it sounds, it I really, be. that's the bit that I'm listening to more than anything because I'm listening to this song. So I'd, I'd love to hear an acoustic version of this one day by somebody, if anyone ever wants to do one. I reckon it would be really good. Yeah. But, you know, even the, I mean, I think lyrically it's mature as well, you know, blood money, blood money. It's yeah. it, it's not a, a throwaway, as I said. No. You know, I mean, it's it's five minutes 29. For any excess, that's a, that's a long song. But it really is showing maturity in songwriting, mm. you know, maturity in being inspired by world events and, mm. and putting it on a, a track there. So And there's um, no big vocals in it. It's actually is it, together and talking and singing. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's actually not that I don't not like him being like, it, this is just, just easy well, lot- listening, isn't it? Because so you well, can hear what he's saying and. Well, I, th- I don't think there's a there's 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 a, there's a lot going on mm. in the five minutes twenty nine, but it's not a traditional verse chorus verse chorus type track no. because of the overdubs with certain sort of media stuff and some of the the yeah. background thing. If you actually think about it, it's not too dissimilar with some of the stuff for Way of the World off Max. I Q. was going to say ah, that bullshit, which I was no because I was listening <laughs> to that album yesterday and I was thinking it was very similar. That could have easily sat on that album well yeah it's quite a political song i guess both of the two are yeah i'm glad you like that one too and that's the first uh, i think song on the album written by both uh michael and andrew so okay. uh, yeah, kudos like to it. them both yeah all i right. do like the next one though all right number For four lots of reasons take it away taste it sweet 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 you taste it What is it then not to like about this song? 
I had a friend who was going to open a bakery and she was going to call it Taste It because she was an InXS fan. (laughs) 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 But it was pretty cool. So this was one of the singles off the albums, I think generally the third single. Uh, what What's your sort of thoughts on this song in 2021? Well, we've spoken a lot about this song in, in uh, previous episodes. What do I think about it? I, I can't fault it. I think it's really good. It should have been a number one. Was it never a number one <laughs> anywhere? No. No, ah. no, it wasn't number one. No. What, how far but did it go up the charts? I, when I, uh, I'll have to go back to my little research in a moment. But no, the thing with this song that <laughs> stood out in memory for me was, I mean, the film clip got banned, first of all, so that wasn't helpful mm. because it was a pretty full thing. But, I mean, the, the way, I mean, the words and the literalness of Taste It and Michael singing it and whatever there, it is a very seductive lyric and it's not sort of, you know, there's not a lot of irony in this lyric, I don't think. The guitars are heavy. It's got an interesting sort of harmonica section coming in. Mm-hmm. It's got a real groove to it. You can feel sort of a, a Gary and a John Farris sort of feel on this song in terms of that, you know, backbeat of the track there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it still stacks up now. I think the guitar part and the chorus bit and the whole band singing the vocal taste it. You can hear the backup vocals there as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're all taste it, you know, so... Yeah. You know, when you're looking at an album front-ending front ending some of the stronger tracks, I don't think this uh, sits out of place at all at number four. Yeah. Yeah, that, that harmonica at the beginning, it's quite dirty, isn't it? It really leads you down that path straight away, doesn't it? Well, you know, probably, again, it's it's it, if you think of the first three songs, you've got questions. There. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you've got questions, which is, again, more of a philosophical word itself. What is life? What are the questions of life? Heaven sent, mm. you know, with its sort of ominous sort of lyric communication with the sort of worldwide stuff. This is probably almost like that little bit of a timeout, more of a sexy sort of traditional in excess sort of track. Uh, with a sense of Michael and a carnal feel to it, you know. So yes. hope I'm not getting you too hot there, B. But uh, uh, it is sort of a, a 101 Michael special, I think, on this one. Yes. I you could actually to... see this song being on the Kick album in a way, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah. It's probably a regret that I never got to see them perform this song. Well, it's pro- to me, it's probably the most commercial track off the album. So yeah. it's yeah. not surprising it was a single and everything mm-hmm. there. But um, I think four down, four in, we're, we're, we're on the same page today. This is quite rare. Okay, and now for our special one. This was a whole episode last week, and uh, we have a fan campaign about this song. But let's just get back to the album and how it sort of fits onto the album. And uh, it comes in at number five. It's a it's an Andrew and Michael composition, as heavily discussed in our last episode. The song I think we both love, and it's got an epic sort of vocal on it. You know, with Michael, it's got an epic backup vocal with Denny Hines. Uh, as I said, we dedicate a whole episode to this song, and it's going to spearhead our campaign uh, next year. Uh, our fan campaign, but um, B, I guess it still sounds great seven days later. Those who didn't hear last week's podcast, B, give us your take on Not Enough Time now and compared to back then. How do you feel about it? I loved it then. I love it now. I love it even more now. I love it even more now. Um, Well, we said quite a lot about it last week, really. 
yeah. that, that, you know, Michael's whispers and how he's drawing you in and those little twangs on the guitar and, and how it climbs. And then you want me to say that word, don't you? You're ready to laugh at me, my crescendo. <laughs> no, or crescendo. <laughs> crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it builds to a crescendo. Um, <laughs> but what this song, I think, to me, it's sort of out of the next five songs, I think, on the album, this one included, four of the next five are relatively ballad, ballad-esque uh, or in some cases a slightly mid-tempo. Uh, so it does sort of big part, I wouldn't say quite a part of the album, but they're not sort of foot to the floor rock stompers. So not enough time is sort of that sort of starting point there of this little middle part of, of, of the actual release. But I remember first hearing it and I'm going, wow, this is, this is going mm. somewhere and I mm. never got sick of it. No. I think Kirk loves playing it live too. Yeah. the last song on side one uh, of the vinyl side of things. But uh, give me your take on All Around uh, for you. I think it's a great song, Hayden. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think it's strong and it's solid. I think it's a really good track. Um, It's a party song. I'm sure that you had a great time at concerts listening to this song. I think I heard it live in 93, 94. Uh, when they toured, but for me, this is the weakest song on the album so far. Really? And no, yeah, it's a weaker yeah. one. I mean, definitely. Uh, a weaker well, one. you know, on the album so far, but uh, I like the I like the verses to it, uh, etc. There, uh, I, I think the, the I think the the chorus is just a bit repetitive, and it doesn't sort of climb at all. It's just all around. All I think the chorus is all around. You know, a bit. So mm-hmm. I, I think that if I could go back and say take a song off the album and add one in, I'd be throwing Deepest Red onto this album and I'd be taking all around off. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it, it's 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 to me a sort of a five and a half, six out of ten song, which for in excess is a fail. But uh, it is something that uh, they did play live, I think, at the uh, Concert for Life we mentioned last week as a sort of a start-off thing. But I think Michael... I think at the time when he was talking about the song, it was like, you know, looking around the world and seeing what's going on, et cetera there. But I don't think the vocal and the delivery compute with the sentiment of the lyric. And what I what I mean by that, I'm not saying it was insincere, but, you know, he's talking about the world and issues and a few different things, but the song itself doesn't feel that worldly or that important. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm you know? actually thinking, I, I don't, I don't even know what the lyric is. Like I just, it's all that, like you say, the all around and the guitars are more prominent than the actual. See the lyrics I don't mind. And, okay. We're you know, under, why are we well, so different? Mind, we're so different. But I, don't, I don't mind the lyrics. <laughs> I just think that, you know, it's, it's like singing the song Imagine with a happy voice. You know, mm. like I feel like Michael's singing all around with a sort of a sardonic sort of 
oh yeah, whatever, all around, all around. But the lyrics are more serious than actually the vocal oh, delivery. Okay. So, so I guess it's not selling it to me, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't mind the melody, uh, but I think it's the weakest track really on side one. Um, um, but again, you know, if you look at most bands' albums, they're all going to have one or two, you know, weaker ones on their on a, on a side or two. But it's not bad. It's not a disaster by any means. So. But, yeah, I, if I was in the car and the song came on on my CD, I'd skip it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Deep Breath, uh, you know, we're going to have a little bit of an interlude now. We might just put on a little track as we go to the turntable B and flip it over. to the toilet, putting the kettle on, undoing your zip. Is that right? Did you have the speakers with you? <laughs> Joking, Joyce. <laughs> we hope our listeners like that little treat, that little mid-vinyl uh, flip-over treat. Uh, okay. Uh, now, B, this is an interesting one for you. You told me about the film clip before. I'm just going to see how it resonates. Baby Don't Cry, number seven, first track on side two, Give Me Your Take. It's big. It could have been on X, I think. Don't you think? I really think this could have sat on the X album more than this album. But I really do like it. Justify Because it's so big and it's so sort of like impacting with the orchestra and everything. But I have seen some footage of the orchestra, like having a little jig along to this. It was good. The lyrics are gorgeous. I do like it when he says, welcome to the turnstile. And it's about a gate that allows one person to pass through one-way human traffic and there's no going back and it's all about how low would you go to go back again i like that that's thoughtful does he say that in the song does he yes he does right he says all of that in the song he doesn't say all that in the song. He says about going to the turnstile and how low would you go so turnstile I looked up the definition of a turnstile and the definition of a turnstile is human traffic going one way, which is true. So if you go to a turnstile at a um, footy ground or something, you can only go one way. You can't go back, but it's not about how low would you go to go back? Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Welcome to the turnstile. Do you remember that bit? Okay. How low would you go?
this was an interesting song. I felt like when I first heard this, I'm like, um, this. you're right, big, bombastic, loud, take it mm. to the nth level. Mm. Uh, I reckon the first six, eight listens, I really liked it, and then I got sick of it quickly because it, 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 does, it does repetitively say the chorus uh, quite a bit. But then over time and now, I, I really do love it again because yeah. – it, it, you. it, you're right in terms of the lyric stuff there. There's a little bit more going on in this song than meets the eye. It's an interesting uh, structure of a song because uh, it, it, it effectively starts off with the chorus. Um, yeah. There's not many songs that do that. Dancing Queen from the, by ABBA mm. literally starts off with the chorus. This song does it too. It comes straight out of the gates and, sh- and shoves the chorus right up your nose. <laughs> um, and it's really big and anthemic. I think it was a British sort of singer group in the 60s called The Searchers. It's got this sort of big orchestral multi-track vocal thing going and it's a real stadium song. I mean, it, you could actually see this being played at Wembley or something mm. like that. It's a, it's a big song with a big sound and I guess uh, really I think only the concert of life was the place that really had that sort of sense of grandiose sort of uh, live setting where they got the orchestra in from Sydney to do it. It's got something a bit about the Beatles about it. A bit, again, a bit like Hey Jude. Hey Jude, or, you know, yeah. or, or Maybe all you need is love. Maybe it's got yeah. that sort of because it's vocal. It's getting the audience to participate with singing along to it, hasn't yeah. it? It's got that feeling oh, yeah. because you, you think, oh, I already know this. I can sing along straight well, away. Yeah, you, you, you can. Not, it's a type of. It's it's a real a sugar hit song. It, there's mm. none of this sort of. I've got to hear this five times to to be hooked on the hook, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an instant hook. Uh, it's probably the first time also since Mediate that you sort of hear Michael go down a rap line. And, uh, you know, it's 1992. There was no Eminem then. Maybe we'd come off Vanilla Ice. And look, I don't think Michael was trying to to, to exercise his inner raptum uh, from the harsh streets of Randwick uh, or anything like that. But there's an interesting sort of vocal exit there where you ride, you know, welcome to the turnstile. And it's a really interesting sort of, you know, vocal thing from Michael. Michael looks like he's having a lot of fun with this one. And yeah. I think I think the goal was to take every song to its upper and most extreme limit. And they don't hold back in anything in this song. And I really think it's a, it's a great one. And again, I'm just surprised it didn't get released as a single in America, whether it's the record company. Uh, whether they release this after um, not enough time, I think sort of a hook or a bait to get people into the band again. Uh, well, not again, but after X, I think it could have been the type of song that could have been a bit of a smash over I there. Agree. Been released I agree. I agree. Yeah. The marketing. Yeah. yeah. And if you were upset and you are about to cry, you stick this on and you don't want to cry, do you? Because you <laughs> want to sing along. And you and when he's saying, baby, don't cry, you're like, yeah, all right. We yeah. won't. Let, let, yeah. Let's just carry on, pick ourselves up and put on some good music. Really good. Absolutely. And, uh, look, we'll probably leave it at that, but it does sort of, you know, really uh, juxtapose interestingly with our next song. So, B. I'd like to dedicate that song to Joe Robbins. That was one of her favourite songs. All right. Okay, let's go into Beautiful Girl. Side. 
find her among the neon lights that haunt the streets outside. She says, Stay with me, beautiful girl. So from going from the probably the loudest bombastic moment of Baby Don't Cry, we probably have the quietest moment on the album, which is Beautiful Girls. So um, interestingly, here we have uh, Andrew coming in with a very sort of restrained uh, little piano intro, almost like, you know, one finger piano work. And uh, then we go into Michael, who's not doing his best Lou Reed impersonation, but boy, does he sound a little bit like Lou Reed with the uh, sort of spoken word vocal sort of delivery here. Everything about this song is uh, so un- in excess like. It's a really restrained uh, vocal. Uh, it's a really beautiful lyric. Um, I think this is something that Andrew wrote, uh, along with Baby Don't Cry Before. They're both Andrew compositions. It really is sort of a song that still gets played, I think, most commonly in Australia uh, out of all songs on this album, B. Um, mm-hmm. What's your sort of memories of this and what's your feelings towards it now? Yeah, it stopped me in my tracks when I heard it because it was so unlike um, in excess it's so um, childlike Um, Mm. it reminded me of opening up my mum's jewellery box you remember those jewellery boxes when the little lady used to go around and it was like Uh you know that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of going back to childhood um, and it's sort of like an innocence of a song so I, I, I feel that but then when I listen to the lyrics I think of ladies of the night as children, young girls on the streets, really, and it, okay. I find I find it quite sad in that. Yeah, well, I Nikki don't... on the corner with a black coat on. Oh, you know, it's I mean, it, it's, yeah. it is a haunting lyric. Um, mm. I think the thing about this song that sort of still resonates is uh, the uh, the lyric and the way it's sort of you know it's spoken about. It's quite sort of poetic and and it's a story and and Andrew's obviously written it. The song itself was nominated for a Grammy uh, and it was the only song off the album nominated for a Grammy uh, and it was the best video, but they did sort of put a really lovely video together about, um, you know, dieting and, you know, people uh, going through eating disorders and things, which was quite uh, mm. a thing in those early 90s. And mm. the video was made by a guy called Mark Pallington who went on to some uh, bigger fame uh, in Hollywood. But uh, the song has really, really a, a beautiful, restrained escalation but not yet sort of not enough time like with a big mm. volcano it, it just builds nicely uh, and it fades nicely yeah and yeah. it's got and I, I, I took me years to work at the you know the ho 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 you know that sort of vocal is very spandai ballet <laughs> so it is it is so, so hello when gary about, when you hear about <laughs> the song true uh uh uh, uh it's got a vote, and it took me years to join the dots on the two songs. Now, it's not a spandau ballet uh, ripper. Spandau ballet. We say spandau down here. I so, know, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in, in, the, in the Western side, they say spandy ballet, you know, spandy ballet. Spandex. <laughs> yeah. But, look, the song itself has that interesting sort of uh, vocal similarity of true. Mm, yeah, I uh, hear it now. But it's a beautiful song. It's something that really sits nice on the album and it's part of this sort of quieter part of the album. And it's very mm. experimental, I guess. Again, mm. it's not it's not the big lush by my side, never tear us apart. It's I could really see Mark's fingerprints on this one saying, okay, less is more, less is more. Mm. So um yeah. And I, uh, yeah, when I hear it, I just think of Tiger as well. 
Well, look, when unfortunately the news came of Michael's passing and someone rung me and I couldn't believe it, so I turned on the radio and then I turned on the most popular rock radio station in Melbourne and this song was being put on straight yeah. away and I was like, oh, oh. really? Mm. So, but let's let's move on before we get ourselves dwelled on that. Uh, yeah, next one, nice. B, number nine is? Wishing Wow. lyrics i like the breeding bass and i love the 80s keyboard that's not 70s keyboard i should say it's got um yeah it's got a real like um, retro feel to it but i love that he wants to take you to the wishing well to see your wishes or your desires that could be done this um wishing well and i mean you can't resist him can you he's holding his hand out and he's saying come on let's go look down there together how exciting <laughs> Okay, B. I've lost it. <laughs> well, let us straighten up the podcast a little bit. I'm going to go out and limb here and say I think this is the only stinkeroo on the album. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to debate you on it. I, I, I think this one. Uh, now, I'm talking relative sense. Now, we're we're sort of comparing, you know, um, you know, Hey Jude versus uh, Day in the Life here. You know, we're talk, we're caught, we're we're comparing juicy apples with with slightly less juicy apples. So, this particular track to me is a bit of a I don't know. They were hit in the middle of the album. They deepest red should have been uh, given the uh, the priority instead of this. I think sonically it's interesting. I think Michael's vocal and stuff it's interesting, but it's just this little mid tempo thing that doesn't to me lift off. And I feel the same way thirty years later. Uh, if it was on in the car and I was had the CD on, I would skip this one. It's again like all around. It's probably that five and a half, six out of ten song, which for some bands is is like an eight. I just think it. I think it just. I'm comparing against the other 10, 11 tracks. Yeah, uh, on the on the album. So yeah, because it's a me, great album. It's got lots of good ones. So you got to yeah. have some bad ones. Not that I've had any bad ones yet. Yeah. Well, you- look, you know, back in the day when bands were sort of releasing vinyl, and you had your your six on the front, six on the back. There, if you did ever want to hide a track or two, songs around nine, ten, or you know, eight, nine, ten, or eleven would sometimes be where you hid them. This one to me, probably if they had more material uh, to work with, may have not have made the cut. Maybe it made the cut because they only had 16, 17 songs to choose from, allegedly, but we might confirm that with uh, with Mark. But um, Well, I would like to hear from the girls. I'm sure Ali and Carmen and Foxy and Danielle all love this song <laughs> because they can hear what I'm hearing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just while yeah. I'm talk while I'm talking, um, all around another song that you didn't like earlier 
Yeah. I could imagine that being um, a movie soundtrack on a movie soundtrack. It's got that sort of feel to it. Uh, I can't. Right, move <laughs> swiftly on to the next one. <laughs> Number 10. Prophetic uh, uh, lyric, and I say prophetic, not pathetic. Okay, prophetic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you think? Look at my eyebrows lyric. lifted. No, uh, Nostradamus like. Okay, uh, Johnny Farris uh, and Michael wrote this. Now, think back to 1992. There was no such thing as online then, really, in mm-hmm. the wider community. Uh, we're six, eight years away from that, but uh, we've got to get these things back online. Y- you can imagine. That song, I won't say it was going to be a single, but you could see that song being used in plenty of, you know, documentaries about Bill Gates and <laughs> got to get this back online, you know. Um, it's not a, a toe tapper. It's not a huge ballad. It is a mid-tempo thing again. I, I like the use of, uh, of what we call the Hammond uh, organ okay. again, which they've used, I guess, <laughs> mm. uh, Beautiful Girl and things like that. It's got a very nostalgic thing. Yeah. You hear that same Hammond organ on Crowded Houses, Don't Dream It's Over. Yeah, that same Hammond organ on Wider Shade of Pale. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting, nostalgic type sort of sonic and instrument that gives a song a, a little bit of history. You know, I love the end of it, all the trouble soon be leaving. I think the lyrics are good. It's not a commercially really sort of single-less song, but um, I think it really uh, yeah, is quite a strong track for that level of where the album's at at that point. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think, B? I love it. I think yep. it's um, very joyful that the internet's back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. It's got a good lyric. It's got a good chorus to it. I do feel, and I can't wait to speak to Mark about it, Mark Opitz, that is, that Michael's voice is very low and it mm. could be a little bit stronger. Maybe, I don't know if I want to turn the vocals up a lot, a lot more than it is. Well, I don't know. That just might be my ears. I don't know. Well, I think Michael again's experimented with his vocals on this album. Mm. You know, we've come off "Beautiful Girl," and again, this is only two songs away from that. Uh, with you know, "Baby Don't Cry" with the rap side of things, uh, he is singing in a little bit of a lower register here. He's a baritone, but he mm. he's definitely restrained in his vocal, which which where in excess had come from on the previous three or four albums with stadium rock and things. Again, there's some restraint there, and I think that's where we get to see, you know, Michael's artistry um, and and go, well, he, he he was more than just, you know, the the swagger. There was a sort of a subtlety to the way he could sing. But it'd be interesting to hear Mark's comments on that. He may yeah. have some sort of anecdotes about that. He may, you know, I know Bono had a, um, a big night out on the piss and uh, uh, the next day he had to uh, record a song off the uh, We Can't Leave Behind album 
And one of the vocals on that was really like it sounded like he'd had 42 beers and 28 cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very raspy. Yeah. Um, and it adds to the song. Um, so, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? It could be an anecdote there. Mm-hmm. Now, I know why you wanted me to go, me to go number 10, B. Oh, go on. Because you want to go number 11. <laughs> Strange Desire. Oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> This is, oh, I feel it. I love it. <laughs> the strange desire. It comes to me in the night, definitely. <laughs> Why are you just grinning at me? Stop it. You're making well, first me of all, nervous. I'm, 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 first of all, I, I'm <laughs> laughing at you having an orgasm to this song and describing it. <laughs> Secondly, I love this song, so I don't know where you got off saying oh, I didn't like it. I've always liked you, this song. Oh, you have. It's a ripper. Okay. Yeah. And it yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Oh, I had good the intro and the bass and the salsa rhythm thing going at the start, and the, you know, the then the vocal comes in with Michael's vocal. It's almost, I mean, it's one of his great vocals. It's one of mm. Gary's great, ba- Gary, Gary's uh, great bass lines as well. Mm, mm, mm. It's a hidden gem on the album, without a doubt. It's it's like the Gary's bass is just, yeah. bass line is brilliant right from the start, and uh, but the the lyrics say it all to me. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, in, in excess, you know, and a lot of bands front ended a lot of their albums where the bigger hits were on side A and then sometimes the second side were more album tracks with the odd single and things like that. But I mean, this was never a single, but boy, you know, it was such, in terms of hooks and, and catchiness, oh, fantastic. It, might be, it might be the strongest number 11 song that mm. they've got on all their albums. Like this, mm. You know, if you're patient enough to pull the album out and listen all the way through, boy, do you get rewarded with this one. It's like yeah. hooks. Hooks left, right, and center, and it's it's got that beautiful sort of. It just of, you know, slides in everywhere, doesn't it? You're on oil, but you know when you don't know if he's going to go into that little chorus bit. But when he goes, "Must have wanted another you," <laughs> sorry, Thank but you. It, but it, it's got urgency and it's got this yeah. sort of great sort of you know twist on the the voc- the verse and the chorus and 
Um, look, there's a 9.5 out of 10 for me, this song. Right? Definitely. Still, still, still stands great. Right. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And All then, right. And then. Last, and then the closer. And then. I don't see. Just like a child With my eyes wide open Hungry at any cost Now my eyes are still open But my mouth is shut I'm closing out the lies I'm promising All right, the album closer, number 12, Men and Women, the only song written by Michael on the album. Uh, and I think if we start off with the album and the question uh, of questions. This is an interesting sort of bookend to the album. And I think it's got all of Mark Opitz, you know, uh, song craft over this in terms of starting with questions and finishing with men and women. I think it's a really great bookend. This probably at the time and from memory was probably the most controversial song, I think, on the album because of a certain lyric there that threw people out. And the lyric was uh, giving me the sham. And a lot of people didn't really know sort of what he was talking about. Now, B, you had a funny look on your face, like this song probably bored you to tears. Am I interpreting, sorry, am I interpreting correctly? <laughs> I, I don't listen to this song, I'm sorry. No? No. It, no. Bore, it bores me too much at the beginning that I can't be bothered with it. You know how my mind works. I can't do stairways to heaven and stair and the stairs. And this is in the same category for me. And it's it's, like, I think this song's got ADHD written all over it for you. Uh, I, I think that this was going to require you to be really patient and for four minutes and 38. Can't do it. You can't climb this. Now I can, I I did. And, and I, I developed a like this because I felt uh, it actually reminded me again a year a year earlier with U2's "Love Is Blindness," which was the last song of the U2 album, which um, had a similar sort of darkness, you know, to it. But uh, to me, this is very cinematic. You know, this could be in a movie soundtrack. Uh, it's got that orchestral uh, bit in. Well, I think the the orchestra was very prominent in this particular uh, recording. But uh, Michael, when he's singing it, and he's like, "I was like a little child," you know. It feels like he's hiding in the the the. Uh, it's almost like what's that Tarantino movie um, where all the uh, family are hiding under the floorboards there, and you know they're looking out there. And uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, it feels oh like a fair. My God, that's an awful film. Well, I mean, it's a but it feels film. like you know Michael yeah, singing as a child, you know, and you know, scared and there's like the apocalypse is coming and it's very big and scary and cinematic and almost Here's sort of Johnny. apocalyptic. <laughs> a very apocalyptic is the word I'm looking for. But um, in context of the album and the the tone and the shift and the music, I, I really love it. So, but mm-hmm. I can relate to the fact that it is a hard song Listen. to grasp. It's not an easy song to grasp. It would have never been considered as a single. No. <laughs> um, 
But you put this over a very brave uh, to put it at the end. Yeah, you could put this brave to put it on. You could put this over a movie or something like that. I think yeah, resonance there. Um, Could have swapped with Deepest Red, couldn't they, Hayden? What's that? You could have swapped it with Deepest Red. Well, I think what a cracker to go out on. I reckon that would have just made this album. We might have flipped you down to the wishing well, and we might have hung out with the Deepest Red. Okay, so (laughs) is that your strange uh, desire? (laughs) <laughs> there, sure. Yeah, the amount of questions you have, B, I don't know. <laughs> I have to All right, but uh, that is Welcome to Wherever You Are. Um, that is the 12 tracks, uh, I guess, in terms of, uh, of total length, uh, in terms of the album, et cetera, there. Uh, slightly longer than normal In Excess albums in the sense that it went for nearly 46 minutes. Uh, so you're looking roughly four minutes a track. I mean, some are five, some are three and a half, but it is probably, as I said, a, a very musical album. There's lots of stuff, you know, going through, you know, uh, throughout the threads and just looking over them very quickly, you know, questions. You've got sitars and tablas there and horns, heaven sent. You know, you've got some really uh, dirty, grungy guitar, communication. You've got, you know, satellites and, you know, uh, lots of knobs being twisted. Taste it. You got harmonica. Not enough time. You got orchestral flourishes. Same with baby, don't cry. Beautiful girl. You got Hammond organ again. You know. Same with back online. I mean, there's so many instruments and variety of tones and sonics on this. It really was. I think Mark pushing the band and and, and both Michael and and Andrew being wanting to push and being very mm-hmm. hands on involved and going, what is this thing in excess? Let's redream it up again a little bit. And I yeah. think. Um, that was reflected in the fantastic reviews the album got, yeah. um, but also reflective just, you know, in the sounds and, and the outcome that still stack up 30 years later. Okay, so what's going on our Spotify list then, sweetheart? Well, oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Now, what are the rules of Spotify list again, B? Tell the listeners what they are. Um, it can't be a hit from the album. Can't be a single, that's right. It yeah. can't be a single, and yeah. it's got to be something that we both agree on. Yes, that's true. Which is going to be tricky. I'm glad you remember the rules because I didn't remember. <laughs> you reminded me. Yeah, no, you're right. We've both got to agree on it and we're both, uh, well, it obviously can't have been a single anywhere in the world. No, no. So, so strange desire, obviously. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, uh, in cards terms, a lay down misere. That's on there. All right. Okay. Definitely we'll agree on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So we're not going wishing well because you don't Okay. Like let me one. go. Let me throw one at you and see how you feel. Right, Communication. Okay. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, so that's okay. two. We can do one more. Yeah, okay. All right. So, we well, we, we well, we're probably going to know we're not going to agree on wishing well and all around. I think we've both already established that, aren't mm, we? Mm. So really, it gets back to now. Yes. Questions or it gets back to back online. Mm. Yeah? Because men and women you're not going to agree on. No. <laughs> I'm not going to convince you on that. And you're not going to agree on all around. No, nor wishing well. So really it gets back to two other songs that are left. We pick one of those. So we either pick questions or we either pick back online as I the deep as the deep dive track. If I had to pick out of both of those, I'd go for questions. Would you? Yeah, I would. Well, now, I, I, I'm, now. I'm 50-50 on each in terms of I, I'd be comfortable with either, so questions it is. Okay, so we're going questions. Yep. Strange Commun- desire and communication. and communication. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Ali, for putting that together. <laughs> cool. 
All right, so that's sort of the album there. Um, we probably will have over the next couple of weeks more chances to dive deep on the outcome of the album, some of the B-sides, some of the chart positions, a few things there. Probably gone through a lot today, you know, within sort of this episode, you know, uh, with a lot of news and things as well. So we'd probably just like to leave, let people sort of just go off and investigate the album a little bit over the next week. If you haven't heard much of it lately, go back and play it. There's some really interesting things going on. If you do or if you have happened to get your hands on the 2002 remastered edition there are 17 tracks there's five bonus tracks on there so one of them is a song called the answer another one is called uh wishing well uh all around alternate version give it a flick the indian song uh and heaven sent the waltz version which was that traditional first sort of version that uh, andrew came up with and there are some twists on some of those tracks we'll let you on sort of wrap those like christmas presents i think not enough time is on one of those tracks but to a different uh lyric um, so there's some really good sort of uh, demo stuff there that if you do happen to go onto YouTube or have the uh, album or download it or stream it, there are some interesting things out there. But do yourself a favour over the next seven days as we're on our two, three-week episode dive uh, deep into this and really re-experience the journey. And if you missed out first time around, gee, aren't you lucky now that you can experience this album now yeah. uh, as an uh, extra Uber fan like you are? Yes. Enjoy, uh, everybody. And again, like always, B, thank you for letting me uh, nerd out on this to you. And thank you for letting me fan out to it as well. Hey, this is David from Derby. Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. All right, B. Well, uh, I guess that's a bit of a wrap there. Uh, it's exciting to be able to get through the first chapter of uh, the Welcome album and uh, play some of those songs and remind us of just how cool they were, yeah? Fantastic, Hayden. Thank you for taking me through that journey again. I remember you saying this was your favourite album um, when we first met and I was going, no, I like Elegantly Wasted. It's not as good as this, but they're pretty on par for me now, both of them. Yeah, well, in terms of uh, being a favourite album, et cetera, there, I think to me, as I said in the episode there, it was probably their, their, their best musical leap. Uh, and I think that was, was sort of something at that time was really important as a fan, seeing them not just tread over the same water again and, and take some sort of musical leap. So mm. I think, uh, you know, the band realised that 30 years later and I think something that Mark Opitz, who will join us in the next week or two to discuss as well, will probably uh, highlight that too because... I know we felt that X was a little bit safe and a little bit sort of, uh, you know, kick part two. So um, I'm sure he will elaborate on that sort of point. But all that aside, B, fan engagement, I don't think we've ever had a busier last sort of few weeks with fan engagement, everything from Kirk and fan packs and podcast subscriptions and, you know, websites and chat rooms and things like that. But I'll throw to you to share some. Okay, I'm going to list out a load of names. I've been getting lots of friends requests, actually, <laughs> from people. So mm. um, hello to those people that want to be my friend. Unfortunately, I've got too many friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to say hello to you, if that's okay. So yeah. Darlene Lane, Yvette Dowry, David Barnes, Eric Matteson, Kevin Jolie. I wonder who he is related to Paul. I'm not sure. Yvonne Matisse. And Comseth, Comseth, Mary Land, it's <laughs> a good one, Joe Hitch, Brian Cook, and Adrian Marino. Fantastic. Hi. Fantastic. 
Um, as we said earlier about the fan kits and things like that, but how did the, the team go about ordering those? I know obviously we've had some uh, been inundated this first week. I know there's a limited amount, but um, if someone wants to get those, what do they do as the next step? Well, at the moment, they're only going out to the patrons. So if you're a patron, you'll be getting an email at this point and we'll be finding out who wants them and then we'll find out the shipping costs to them because they're coming all the way from Mexico. Um, And then later on, perhaps in another couple of weeks, we'll be releasing them very shortly onto our website. So stay tuned, everybody. I know that there was two price points, one for a patron and then one for a a general listener. But, you know, Um, we owe it to our superstar patrons and we look after them first, unfortunately, for everybody else. But, yeah. yeah. And, and I got they on to keep the, us going. We got I was on the YouTube them. video today having a look at what Mary was describing over eight and a half minutes. So the, the, the content is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And there is, we've, we've put a little bit more in there as well. It's very exciting. Some really good goodies in there. All right. Now, auction uh, results are in. And uh, how kind was it for Kirk? to personally send out direct to the winner's address. He went down to the post office himself. He did. He got the stamp and he put it all together and well, mailed it. Well, mailed it no, to- I got all that ready for him. Oh, okay. He just had to put the address on. <laughs> okay. He still had to mail it. He had to go to he his did. He did. He did it really quickly. He was on. Correct. Oh, I messaged him only yesterday and he had it in the post on the Monday. Well, brilliant. he was like, hey, B, let me just send it to the winners here. It'd be easier than sending it back to you, blah, 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 blah. And he's gone and done that. So, hey, nice. kudos. Good man. Everybody says how lovely he is. He really is. He gets better and better. Um, hey, we've got two bottles of wine from um, Kirk. Yep. Can you tell anyone who hasn't listened to previous episodes what Kirk is doing with wine other than consuming it? He's actually making it. Right. <laughs> with a couple of friends down in Melbourne. And this is their first batch. There's only going to be 200 bottles. And he's given the podcast two of them for us to give away as a prize. Okay. So what I want to do, again, for our patrons only, if you want a bottle of wine, let us know. We're going to put your name in a hat in two okay. weeks' time. So you've got plenty of time to become a patron. And I'm going to get the blue whale. <laughs> to pick the winner out of the hat. Hayden, uh-huh. tell them about the blue whale. Come on, well, I told you. Was the, you listening? Yeah, well, I saw it. The blue whale is some little ornamental sort of thing there, isn't it, that you're going to use its mouth to pick out the name out of the hat. Does that sort of sound right? <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. going to pick, yes. Yeah. So no cost, no involvement. You could just be a lucky winner. And at the moment, That's I right. think we have... Uh, about 60 patrons, so still a very good chance you could win. Uh, and again, amidst all of these sort of uh, goodies, that's a that's a great one. Mm, and um, they're all personally signed by by him as well. All right. Now, moving along, we are in the sort of the, the midst of our welcome review. We are hoping to get Mark Opitz on next week, as uh, he has promised, and a special guest along with him to talk oh, about Oh, really? I'm album. so excited about speaking to I know, Mark. I'm speaking I know. to him ages. It will be Nerdorama next week, okay? <laughs> so, uh, uh, B, I'll try and let you get a word in, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, we're doing a bit of a tribute song today, and I thought what we could do with this particular tribute song is uh, dedicate this particular song and this particular track to somebody off, uh, well, to off the Welcome album to somebody who just loves this song. Maybe it sums up her personality. Maybe it sums up her aspirational sort of, you know, um, desires. Maybe it sums up just the way she <laughs> thinks about life. 
But uh, B, I'm going to dedicate this song to you. Oh, and it's called it. Strange Desire. Yes. And uh, I know it's got this beautiful sort of bass salsa rhythm thing going there with his dreamy lyrics. So mm. we're going to take this one away and we're going to go off the album track version. And you know what? We might even put the, uh, you know, the remix, well, you know, the other version without the lyrics. It's on one of the B-sides. Yes. We might have to do a back-to-back here. We could Back-to-back. Do back. Yeah. A double for me. A double Strange Desire for you, B. <laughs> okay. A menage a Stranger Desire. Okay. You and the two Strange Desires. Okay. So it's uh, a goodbye from me. Hang on, let me just call that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs>